0: So, it's another day, another baseball roundtable here, brought to you by the Jays Journal and rishapiro.ca. It's my pleasure to have three worthwhile, compelling perspectives offered by three men who really know their minor league baseball in particular. So, let's let's go around the horn and introduce everyone. He's the author of The Baseball Thesaurus and the voice of the Lansing Lugnuts, Jesse goldberg strasler is here. Jesse, great having you on.
1: All right, thank you very much for having me.
0: He is the co-founder of Prospects Live and runs the Scouts Have Eyes podcast. Our friend Jason Waddell is back on the show. Jason. Hey, Ari. How you doing? Good to have you on, my friend. And finally, last but not least, he's a market practitioner and research associate at the Levy Institute. Marshall Auerbach is here. Good hearing you, sir.
2: Likewise to you, Ari.
0: Okay, Jim. Without further delay, we should just rush into this because... It's been an event for the last few days, obviously, with what's been in the news concerning everyone from Vlad Guerrero Jr. to Marcus Stroman to free agent soundbites who are unhappy because they still haven't signed and all sorts of conspiracy theories. I'd like to focus this table on looking at what's before us, both empirically and what we can now see statistically, which is a young, rebuilding Blue Jays team that early on in spring training is turning a lot of heads but not nearly being talked about because it's being overshadowed by all the off-field shenanigans and sound bites and and twitter tweets left right and center i want to start with you jesse who has impressed the heck out of you in a spring training in which i could probably name about a dozen different players right now that are really overachieving who's doing it for you and, and what's making you excited about this spring training in particular
1: Here's here's what we're talking about with Anthony Alford is the Blue Jays this spring have said Charlie Montoya is focused on finding the leadoff hitter, finding that top of the lineup guy, whoever he is. It should be down the road. Anthony Alford, that is his style with his kind of speed. And yes, the pop and perhaps more pop than we're expecting because he can hit for power. But there are so many different ways that he influences and affects the game for the better in an offensive way. You get him on base. You have to pay attention to them. That's what the Blue Jays have been looking for, and
2: so that's why this spring has been such a wonder to watch. The only other guy I think that could be a potential leadoff hitter would be Dalton Pompey, who has also done well, but I just think he's going—he's—he's uh, he's being auditioned as a possible um, um, trade target. Um, sadly, I think there's too much depth um, in the outfield right now, and um, I think there are younger prospects that the team would rather um, have uh, playing instead of Pompey, sadly. You know, Marshall,
0: if I had a nickel for every mention of Bobachet between Waddell and Strasler last year, I'd have like yeah. $30, a lot of money, a lot of <laughs> yeah. money. So what does it say then, Marshall, that he's finally now showing us, after... What was an obvious stretch where he was under the radar for obvious reasons last year. He struggled mightily and and really was lost under the whole projection radar, even though at one point he was considered the second most highly touted prospect. Is it safe to say that we've opened our eyes again and are now appreciating fully? Could he even make the team this year, if he continues to hit like this, way over his head?
2: Well, that's the paradox, actually. If he does continue to hit way over his head, Then he enhances his value substantially. Um, The problem is, and then he gets into the Vladdy problem and and, uh, the manipulation of service time, because if he's as good as the current uh, performance suggests, uh, Toronto is going to want to have him um, as quickly uh, or for as long as possible, which uh, likely means that you'll be getting into the same kind of uh, problems um, uh, that you have with Vladdy this year. Uh, the, the other factor, which is I think equally important, is that he plays a defensively much more significant position, um, or the most significant position in, in the uh, in, in the infield, maybe on, in the, on the entire team after catcher. And so um, his defense really has to be major league ready because if it's not, that 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 will just uh, cause the entire infield uh, defense to decline accordingly. We saw that with Jose Reyes when he was uh, the uh, the shortstop for that SIB. Uh, 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 driven, driven. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, every, every ground ball would be uh, a, a, a disaster waiting to happen, it seemed. Um, so that is an important consideration. And there is some suggestion that even though his bat is ready, that he's got to do more on the on the defensive side of the ball as well. And um, that's what I think will hold him back, and, and perhaps legitimately so.
1: All right, let me focus on your term of under the radar, because I think that Beau Bichette is a fascinating guy in this cycle. When you aren't paying attention to him, that's when he excels. When the spotlight is then on him, that's when we've seen Bo perhaps struggle a little bit to live up to the expectations. And that's been fun. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. entering 2017 was considered the brighter star in Bo. People were wondering how he would do. He outplayed Vladdy in 2017, at least for the very first half of the season. And then last year... All right, now we're talking about the two of them together. Well, Vladdy outplayed Bo, and it was a very frustrating season throughout for Bo, especially the month of May. So now this year we're talking about Vladdy, not Bo. I think that Bo Bichette plays better with a chip on his shoulder, with people not looking at him or not giving him the respect that he thinks that he is due. The more that happens, the better he plays. And so yes, I do think that we're in store for a season of Bo in Buffalo. But I would be very interested to see if Bo goes to triple A and crushes it, what happens? Does he force their hand at some point? Because last year Vladdy was supposed to be in double A and then move up to triple A. And it was just so good that the conversation developed. This year Bo is starting the season in triple A and the Blue Jays need middle infield depth and it's June.
2: I think that question gets very compelling, and the other point I would I would add to that is the fact that um, last year at the beginning of the season um, we still uh, were um, we still had the, the notion that Josh Donaldson was going to be the everyday third baseman for the team, which made um, Laddie's path to the majors more problematic. And um, as far as shortstop goes. You know, Freddy Galvez seems like a, a very, very good short-term uh, solution, but it's clear that he wasn't signed to be the long-term answer at shortstop. And if he does a, a reasonably good job, but um, Bobashev is is tearing it up in triple A and also showing that he's got the defensive chops. And yeah, I would agree with Jesse that the the, the pressure to um, move him up to the team um, uh, later on this year will intensify considerably more than it would would have been the case for Vlady. Uh, Plus, he's a year older than. Than Vladdy as well. I mean, I think he's 21, um, and and I think that does make a difference. But let's see how he does with AAA. I mean, he hasn't yet played a, 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 um, any AAA ball, um, and I think it's fair to see how he does in Buffalo first before we start making any premature judgments about when he's likely to be up here.
3: Bo's uh, a a pretty interesting case. Um, you guys mentioned how I I can see the Jesse. I can see the chip on the shoulder. sort of mentality, but I also see a player that is supremely confident in his own skills. Um, It's easy to forget that Bo had never struggled in his professional career up until the first half of last season. And watching those two in spring training last year, it looked like each one was trying to one-up each other in terms of who can take the most violent hack. Um, (laughs) Vladdy seemed to be the one who could get away with it, and it it appeared to have created some pretty poor, I think, habits going into, into the start of 2018 that Bo wasn't able to shake right off the bat. Um, most notably, it was anything that had tilt away from him, uh, be it a slider or, or a uh, change-up from lefties with any depth on it, he, he was still, it was almost like he was still swinging like he was trying to hit the ball 500 feet. The thing with Bo is Bo can swing like that, and his barrel control is just so good. His bat speed's so good that it looks like he's, he's sometimes over-swinging when he's not. Uh, but in spree training, I really saw these guys, uh, especially Bo, the head just coming off the ball. I think pitchers were able to take advantage of it. I think he struggled. Uh, I think there was something to be said about how do you overcome the first time Pro ball punches you in the mouth. The fact that he didn't have that until he was in double a uh, I think is telling about his talent, but this year, this looks like a guy and this looks like a guy that's that's playing with his hair on fire have you and really, last year he turned it around in the second half of the season, and this is the same bow that we're seeing now. Uh, that played in that second half in double a let me just pull up his stats real quick from july from july to the end of the season um, you know this guy was just <clears throat> he was back to vintage bow um, twenty two doubles three homers the two ninety seven average um, you know this is this is not the two sixty hitter uh, you know that that he showed us and that and a lot of people i think were banging him uh, because it was the first time that he'd struggled, and it was at an advanced level that possibly Bo's not as good as as we think that he is. Uh, those numbers get any be- uh, even better if you include June in it. Sorry, 299, 31 doubles from June to September hmm. with three triples and seven home runs. And so what you're seeing now is Bo flash that power. Bo Bichette's going to be one of those guys in, in the Rogers Center, with the MLB juiced balls, <laughs> he's going to hit a lot more home runs than people are going to think that he's capable of. Because those thirty-one doubles are are line drives with carry to the gaps uh, in big, spacious AA ballparks. The Rogers centers with that ball. This is what we're seeing in in spring training. Look at what Bo can do with the major league baseball. Uh, I think June, July. There's no question he's in Toronto because there's no reason to start these service time clocks at at different necessarily different years. Um, and there's no reason if he checks off the box if, if he checks off the boxes in AAA like he's checking them off now in spring training and like he started to check them off at the end of 2018 there's no reason to hold him down especially if you start opening the floodgates on Vlad, on Reed Foley, on um, uh, some of these other guys uh, that they have coming up uh and like biggio uh guys like that so i really feel like um i really feel like bo is this is going to be his year and uh i'm I'm pretty excited to see what he does i think a lot of people slept on him last year because of those struggles he's going to shut those those critics up real quick
2: i'm i'm really uh struck by the power i mean i i always thought he was a good contact hitter but um you know he's a he's a pretty skinny guy but still um he can really whack the hell out of that ball. So uh, that surprises me. And as he gets, as he grows into his body, you might think that, uh, wow, uh, there could be something there, not just in terms of his, uh, you know, his overall um, defensive capabilities, but that he could become a real home run threat as well, which would be uh, wonderful to see. I think guys with elite hit tools, 70
3: grade or higher, that have double plus bat speed, like Bo has. Bo Bichette's bat speed is, is off the charts. When those guys start to add some man muscles, when those guys get a little bit more experience under their belt, when those guys kind of learn how advanced pitchers want to attack them and they can they can make those in at bat adjustments, and then couple in you know the these titleist that they hit at the major league level, yeah, Bo's got Bo's gonna Bo's got crazy power, and I think there's more on the way for such a for such a diminutive guy. Well, and he won't stop hitting, and he hasn't stopped
0: hitting. He's leading the team in OPS in the first, you know, week and a half, two weeks of spring training. So this is clearly uh, a professional athlete on a mission. And, uh, you know, we talked about, obviously, the value of power and bat control, and I was absolutely savage. I mean, when it came to this player, I, I was relentless in my contempt for him but very quietly he's now leading the team in hitting the spring training and he's only struck out six times in ten games and of course I'm talking about Teoscar Hernandez Jason, is this the year that we see him as our as our designated hitter that maybe someone can, can fill the position defensively so he can get his four at-bats once Morales is shipped out and you've got arguably one of the toughest strongest power hitters in the game um, because... There hasn't been doubting his capacity to hit home runs, but whether or not he can actually make contact with the ball in a 40%
3: strikeout rate, you can't have that regardless of whether he's a DH or position player. What's your hope for this guy? I think you... I'm not saying that no no kid can get better, but I think we are close... Teoscar is close to his ceiling. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Oftentimes when we're scouting... Prospects and Teoscar was never a guy that was really highly regarded anyway. Um, the 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 mere fact that some of these prospects get to become major leaguers, I don't think that gets weighed in enough when we're, especially in these rankings, because there's just a lot of bust and hype that gets that gets thrown out in these top 100s when there are guys that I think people that have seen the player know that if he can just uh if he can get enough at bats with a little bit of experience he might be a little bit of a late bloomer but it's not out of the question to see this guy i think peak at about 30 home runs but a 260 batting average is about the best that you can hope for so if he can just make a little bit more contact than last year and a lot of that can be maybe attributed to he's got a full season under his belt um, but the hit tool is never going to be his his carrying tool. Um, as these pitchers get nastier and nastier, and the and the game continues, it seems like to specialize. You can see flaws like that with Hernandez exposed more than you would see in a in, in an elite hit tool guy like Bobashev. But overall, I do <laughs> think he can get better. But I think you just got to kind of temper the expectations on what his ceiling is.
1: I would say. Considering Justin Smoke or Jose Bautista or mm-hmm. Edwin Encarnacion, and you can go onward with guys who peaked long after they were expected to peak, that there is very definitely that possibility that we have not seen the best from Hernandez yet, and that there is much more that he has to give, and maybe this will be his season. But the deadline is coming, right? Uh, the Blue Jays are looking toward 2020 and 2021 as the season. Uh, when they're really going to make that push, when the talent really starts to arrive, and so because of that, I think that this is a very important season for Hernandez.
3: And and while I do think like he he could get better and he and he should get better, um, the guys that you had mentioned, you know, Encarnacion outside of Batista, really everybody outside of Batista, but especially guys like Encarnacion and Justin Smoke these were these were pretty highly regarded prospects that did struggle. Um, I don't think Hernandez was ever really that highly regarded. I think the floor was fourth outfielder with uh, a hope for a ceiling of what you're talking, corner bat that can provide some thunder in the middle of the lineup. But uh, I, I don't really see this guy ever being a, a 280, 290 hitter. Uh, and so what power he does have, I think the hit tool will, will sort of cause those home run numbers to play down a little bit because he's just so streaky as hell. How often do we see those those hot streaks continue to last, you know, three weeks as opposed to one week? And and getting the cold streak from lasting three weeks down to one week and, and kind of having an inverse relationship. But I do think that if he were to give you two sixty with thirty bombs, that's a pretty damn good guy that you can pencil in. Uh, There's another point here. that
2: there's another yeah. point I w- I, w- I would make another point of there which is um, and it's related to the Incarnassian point um, Edwin uh, his offense really improved when he moved to DH uh, related to your point to Ari and and also uh, or played more first base because I think uh, the miscues at third were becoming so uh, egregious that it was beginning to wear on him mentally and I think was affecting his his hitting somewhat and. Um, Likewise, I wonder if uh, you know that there's been talk that Teoscar his um, his play in the field has been less of an adventure this year or misadventure this year, shall we say? And um, if he can get to the stage where he's even an average defender, that might um, calm his uh, his mind a little bit more and 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 make it um, easier for him to perform on the uh, the offensive side of the of the diamond as well. You know, for a man who
0: specializes in writing about some pretty doom and gloom scenarios economically, I can't believe you just put faith in Teoscar Hernandez becoming an average major league outfielder. I mean, you know, the the ceiling's pretty high. He started so low last year was was rather embarrassing. This is why, to Jesse's point, the prospect of having a player find a position where he doesn't have to worry about the other side of the field might benefit Hernandez more than your average, you know, so-called outfielder. And and this is why I think it's interesting, too, to consider. This just entered my mind, and I want to start with you, Marshall. Do you think maybe part of it is because Hernandez is affiliated with Mark Shapiro's desire to show that his moves can be successful, right? I mean, you look at the great starts uh, for Brandon Drury and Billy McKinney. These are acquisitions. These are reclamation projects. I think, is there a concern that he might show favoritism to those kinds of projects rather than older,
2: anthropolist prospects like an Anthony Alfred?
1: Uh, no, I I
2: don't really subscribe to that narrative that he's somehow got a bias against the Anthopolis uh, uh, prospects. There aren't that many of them left. I mean, they've, they've, they've um, already uh, churned over so much of the um, of farm system and, and rebuilt it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I've always felt that the whole um, divide between Anthopolis and the Shapiro Atkins uh, uh, tenure, that's a lazy narrative. Uh, I'm, I, I'm always shocked at the the vitriol which people still go at uh, shapiro and atkins and the idea that they're just a bunch of uh, cleveland carpetbaggers that are going to run the the franchise cheaply I, I don't think there's any evidence to support that and um I, I think they are committed to putting a a great team on the field no matter how um uh no matter where the prospects uh, come from whether that's one of alex's guys or one of theirs um the the to me, the bigger question is: uh, We're now in uh, year three of their uh, program. You want to start seeing some tangible evidence that they are actually on a good path, and that they've been um, accumulating good assets uh, in, in the minor league system. Um, and if they don't, then that's a concern down the road. But look, I, I, I always make this point, uh, Alex. You know, we were prepared to give him, a, you know, put, enshrine him in, in, uh, and, and make him a candidate for sainthood by the end of his last season, but if you had um, if he had been sacked at the uh, um, in the at the end of his fourth year, or indeed in the middle of his fifth year before he started swinging all those deals, I don't think the uh, the fan base would have uh, been particularly upset about it. His his track record had been very mediocre until that point, but he had this um he he got, caught lightning in a bottle the the last uh, six months that he was there. He made some good um, prospect acquisitions, uh, including Vladdy, of course. But I think that too much of the history of um, um, Anthopolis has been seen through the hagiography of that wonderful run in 2015. And um, I think Alex grew to be a very good general manager. And I think he uh, he applied the uh, lessons he learned in those four tough years in Toronto, along with the, the good fifth year. And increasingly, um, with his uh, few years in Los Angeles as well, and I think he has become a very good uh, general manager. But in aggregate, I don't think you could say that. You know, this is like um, the the second coming of Branch Ricky as as a lot of the fan base seems to suggest.
3: Ari, who's Ari? Who is saying that uh, that that Shatkins is not wanting to uh, acknowledge AA prospects, Alex, uh, sorry, An- Anthopolis prospects? The sentiment, and you usually find it on Twitter if you dig deep enough.
0: Jesus, and, and, that's, that's that's. And Marshall, the <laughs> Marshall delineated it very nicely, yeah. which is, yeah, the, the position that we we can argue the the, the yeah. relativism behind what making the playoffs in twenty fifteen meant, and sure, the maybe. truth is there will be people who will simply ignore the fact that before that actual run, which started, by the way, when they were fifty and fifty one, that Alexandopoulos was was if you'd polled was becoming unpopular people were beginning to say you know that the the shine is wore off you're not you don't have the justin trudeau i remember that you know Mm. that he had but at the same token can we at least acknowledge that the baseball gods were cruel to alex with his efforts in 2012 because i distinctly remember thinking that if even one or two of those players in that blockbuster deal had not so horribly failed on him like a lab experiment gone awry I mean could you really have seen Jose Reyes who was touted as the best AL shortstop going into 2012 becoming what he was which was a pox on the franchise or the fact that uh, Johnson that year was supposed to be that breakout pitcher and that all the components Bonifacio whoever it was ultimately blew up in the face of what was some really great moves so At the end of the day, I think to say that Shapiro wants to distinguish himself by showing off his baseball acumen, I already believed that he could do it. He's a two-time executive of the year. You don't become a two-time baseball executive unless you know something about the game. My bigger issue was the way the PR was handled, the way players from the Anthopolis regime were shuttled out, and so suddenly this narrative was built that he had a problem against those players, you know?
3: I think that um, Jace fans... I don't understand the... I think the vitriol towards Shapiro and Atkins. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me just speak to this as an outsider uh, coming from a crazy ass fan base in Atlanta. But as an outsider, what I see is a GM and an executive um, taking over a franchise that in my opinion had peaked uh, with the, with the, um, with the back to back playoff uh, Mm -hmm. appearances Looking at a at an aging roster with a lot of money tied up and thinking, we really need to burn this down. But if we come in and and immediately start dismantling this thing, then it they're gonna come at they're gonna come with us come at us come for us with pitchforks. Yeah. So they were kind of caught between a rock and a hard spot. Here's here's my permission, I think to to question what they're doing if smoke and pilar and morales and all those guys are still on the team in september then yeah you can say that they have a schizophrenic way of running things hmm. but they had to jay's fans basically forced them into a slow rebuild because there was still enough talent on the roster where if everything hit right Strowman was healthy sanchez was healthy uh Tulewitzki was healthy Healthy. Russell Martin doesn't age in dog years. Devin Travis is healthy. Uh, Roberto Asuna is not Roberto Asuna,
2: or who we Donaldson. thought he was. Yeah, Donaldson,
3: yeah, yeah, Donaldson yeah. doesn't get hurt. A lot of shit went wrong, and it was enough talent there that says, don't go full rebuild yet, even though the writing on the wall says, you probably should start tearing this down. Because we were talking about last year and, and the end of uh, 2017, when do you start the when do you start the full teardown? I I'm hoping and I've heard rumors that there's a there's a chance that uh, smoke could end up in Colorado. Um you know, they have a working relationship with the Rockies where they've made deals before, but mm-hmm. I, I think that there's a lot of guys on this team that will not be a part of of Blue Jays baseball when it is winning again. Mm-hmm. And those guys, those those guys' days are numbered. So to me, I want to see how long they're on the roster, and I think a lot of a lot of those guys will be gone by the All Star break because then you're going to start seeing uh, Rowdy, Bo, Lords Guriel, uh, possibly even a, a guy like Kevin Smith, um, Biggio. You're going to see those guys get chances to say who's going to carve out their role going into 2020. But it's it's going to take it's it's taken some time to get there, and it's been a slow descent. Just trust the process, you know, because these guys do have a good track record, and the Jays have an insanely deep farm system.
2: Yeah, I agree, and I, I would say to further to the point about disposing of the assets, um, Andrew Stoughton in the Athletic actually wrote bit, an interesting piece the other day, and he suggests that one of the reasons why you want to have a guy like Freddie Galvez, and I was then I was a little bit uh, perplexed by the move because I thought, well, isn't that going to be uh, Lourdes Gorryel's uh, position? But then he he made the point that, you know, he's a he's a pretty good anchor for the defense. You need that to ensure that your your pitchers you might be trying to uh, dispose of in midseason like a uh, Sanchez or a Stroman, you know, don't have an ERA of five, but they have one closer to three and a half because the defense tends to be um, it's not 29th or 30th ranked in the, in baseball, but actually it's in the middle. And so I think that you, you, you know, a lot of these guys um, are definitely going to be um, um, assets uh, to be hopefully built up from their low points and then sold high. I would also add um, um, uh, Ken Giles to, to that, and possibly Ryan Tapera, which would um, explain why you'd want to acquire guys like uh, Clay Buchholz and Bud Norris um, uh, earlier this uh, preseason.
3: Yeah, fans get a lot of, they get weirded out sometimes when when an organization has a top 10 shortstop prospect and teams will go out and sign a stopgap option. Um, I, you know, Bo's not, Bo's, Bo's not breaking camp, even though he, he should. If Vladdy wasn't going to break camp, then Bo's not going to break camp. So then that leaves you with Richard Urania, Lourdes Gurriel, and now Freddie Galvis. I do think that Gurriel can be an everyday shortstop, but at the expense of what you were talking about with uh, with with above average to plus defense like Galvis can bring. What is that going to do to guys like Baruchy and Reed Foley? So you, you almost want to develop them more than uh, have Galvis is there to develop the pit help develop the pitchers while also allowing Guriel to not have the pressure of. Potentially being the everyday shortstop if he struggles, and then what that could do to his confidence, I think Gorial plays best uh you know all over the field, and I think increasing his versatility
0: Jesse, what do you think of all this like especially from the perspective of Mark Shapiro being able to use twenty nineteen as the year that he can quality you know qualitatively argue. Look what I've done to sow the seeds and have them grow and ultimately get us on a path where we can have a
1: contending team sooner rather than later. And I did it, by the way. Well, the centerpiece is Vladdy. And whenever Vladdy is healthy and whenever he comes up, that's the player that you then say to Blue Jays fans, this is your future. This is who we are. Mm. It is a peculiar thing to say hey look everyone here's ken giles or here's bud norris and if they play well for us we can trade them for guys that maybe we'll bring up in two years or thereabouts i do think that that idea of the competition that the acquisition of assets that are right there at the major league level i love the idea of opportunity and competition making a guy prove that he belongs so whether that's a brandon drury or we've spent a lot of time talking about the position players they acquired a number of pitchers who are right there on the verge of the major leagues, whether Julian Merriweather or Trent Thornton or Jacob back or whomever it might be. I think 2019 is going to be the auditioning season because 2020 things, I think, get more intense and more real as Vladdy is now there and he's there for a second full season and Bo arrives and we see what Anthony Alford is and from that point on. But I think in 2019, there's going to be a lot of what do you have? What will you have? And especially, as was previously mentioned, time to move away from the players who've been here for a while and time to move onward to the guys who should have these spots for the next foreseeable seasons.
3: And this is going to be a fun year because, to Jesse's point, this is an audition year for a lot of these guys. The auditions may not start in full until July, but it's going to be, think, be really fun to see the Blue Jays kind of try and hone in on what do they have going into 2020.
1: I mean, you think about the opportunities that are being offered right now. When David Phelps comes back, what kind of David Phelps is he? That sort of thing where they signed players, and they brought in players, and I'm going to just take Brandon Drury and put him in the spotlight. When the minor leagues could hit, and there is this idea that Brandon Drury, given a major league spot and given the confidence and comfort, could be a major league quality hitter. Now, he would have to move aside at third base when Vladdy's ready to play third base, but will he seize that and become the next big Jays slugger? And if not, onward you go. There are a lot of those types of players, either at the major leagues or at AAA, where the Blue Jays are saying, here's your chance, what will you make of it?
3: Can I make a bold prediction? I'm feeling like frisky right prediction. now. So I feel like every year there's a prospect that we think should be breaking camp that doesn't, and the guy that's kind of keeping his spot in the lineup warm uh, always tends to get really, really hot. Last year when Acuna was down, I know that Preston Tucker was hitting everything in sight and was leading the National League in RBIs. Can I just say that with Vladdy now being on the shelf for another three weeks, which what puts him at least off the DL back to baseball activities first, second week of April, and then potentially let's keep him, you know, rehab him a little bit. Let's just say conservatively, you know, Vlad comes up at May 1st now with this injury. Uh, Would it surprise anybody if Brandon Drury just got hot as shit for like the month of April, if he was given every day at bats and was, you know, had six or seven home runs? And was showing this big-time power that maybe things had changed, or, you know, maybe he's just taking advantage of a situation and the pitchers haven't adjusted to him yet. But when they do, it could all come crashing
1: down. Well, I feel like this happens every that. year. Let we can go beyond that because hitting in Toronto, it's so great if you have power. Yeah, Danny Jansen is going to hit bombs. Oh, he is totally. Yeah. So there's going to be power, and there's going to be. Young power, not old power in the Jays lineup. We'll see what Hernandez is, right? But Tesco Hernandez has power. And so there is that chance that the Blue Jays will have an offense like we've seen in spring training the past couple of days that hits a lot of home runs. And if Aaron Sanchez is good and if Mark and Strowman gives him a, you can go right on down the line if they get a good solid back end of the bullpen all the fans would love is a nice promising start to the year and then suddenly vladdy jr comes up and things get very interesting
3: if the blue jays were in the american league central i would still feel really good about their chances of if the young guys hit and some of these veterans just just uh you know just do what we're paying them to do that they could they could kind of be in the mix late season it's it's rough though in the al east when you're going up against the Yankees, Red Sox, and Rays 19 times each. But I still have a feeling that their window is not so far off because I do think that the the prospect talent that they have is that elite. And you just like – if Stroh and Sanchez are healthy at the top of the rotation and they're both logging 200 innings and Ken Giles is is what he was when you had him, you already have, like, the recipe. And now you're adding, Ari, the one thing that you've always wanted, athleticism with some of these guys.
2: And youth. Youth and athleticism. Yeah. And,
3: and,
0: and for the record, if both Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez finish with 200 innings, I'll just take you to
3: Disneyland. <laughs> Let's dream a little bit, Ari, because I feel like, like, I feel a like Ari, practice. a lot of times, I feel because... like, Ari, a lot of times the sky has fallen. Well, look. And I'm a dreamer. Let's just I, dream about two hundred innings and 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 twenty seventeen. Justin no Smoke, such a
2: noble dream. <laughs> I, I I can dream about two hundred innings, but I, I I my prediction is if they get to that level, it won't all be with the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, because I'm I, not
3: saying I'd bet yeah. on it, Marshall.
2: Yeah, but I but I, I do <laughs> I do yeah I agree. But if, if they if they do, let's just say if they elevate. They're standing to the point where they have the prospects of pitching that, that those amounts of innings, and and Stroman was not that far off that uh, even last year with the problems he had. Um, then I think you could uh, they, they'll be uh, they'll be dealt, but they'll be dealt uh, they'll be the, the Jays will be selling high, hopefully uh, to a team like San Diego with a rich, a very rich prospect pool, and you'll you'll get more uh, depth in the uh, in the farm system. So they really are ready to go in in 20. Or 2020 or 2021. Um, what I would say though is this: there, it's it's interesting to me. This is like a, a mirror image of of last year's um, a reverse mirror image of last year's season. In the sense that the last year uh, the feeling was well, if uh, you know these uh, four or five things go well, then the team could uh, conceivably contend for a wild card spot. That was considered the ceiling. And this year the expectations are. You know, are completely negative that there's no prospect of, that anything uh, breaks right, whether that be Sanchez or Stroman, or any of the young kids turn out to be better than expected, and um, so the expectations have gone to the other way. and And I could easily envisage a situation where some of these younger um, players do start to uh, surprise on the upside, um, and we start getting a scenario like, say, um, the Minnesota Twins of a few years ago. I I, I don't think they can make uh, the the playoffs, but certainly I think they could be Better than uh, people think. Maybe use the analogy of 1982 with the, the Blue Jays, uh, where you see the the foundation of something good being built there, and um, and pleasantly surprising people for uh, for, for uh, a good portion of the season. So there's still a lot to. of
3: talent on this team.
1: I would watch Triple A Buffalo this year, and I'd watch them closely because unlike a lot of past seasons in which Buffalo was loaded with minor league free agents. There will be honest-to-goodness prospect competition there, and the players who excel in the International League will get call-ups. So right from the very start of the year, that starting rotation is going to be loaded with future Blue Jays pitchers, and same thing with the bullpen, and there will be spots to win in the Jays rotation and the bullpen come May, June, July.
3: It's interesting to me. Like So there's still a lot of veterans on this team, uh, the expectations are are really low. Um, but in a major league clubhouse like this, you know guys like Pilar and smoke and, and Stroman, uh, you know they're not walking around thinking I could get traded at any day now. Um, they're, they're, they're going about their grind expecting to be fully healthy and expecting to produce the numbers that they're accustomed to producing. This team has like a recipe. Like if if everything goes right, by what I mean is everything goes right is a guy like Brandon Drury helps uh, just not carry but really provides a huge spark to the offense because no one's thinking about him in the lineup and it's in the Rogers Center and this guy has hit major league pitching before. Um, smoke is is twenty seventeen smoke. Lords out. Is is that athletic middle infield bat that you can play at second and short that that's giving you production? Teoscar, Grichuk, and alford is your outfield. Um, Stroman and Sanchez are healthy. Baruchy takes the next step. Jansen, who I think probably Jansen would win the American League Rookie of the Year, I think if if writers actually cared about catching defense. But uh, I think Jansen's just going to be a, a phenomenal catcher starting next year. Uh, there's a lot to like here. And then you start adding in young athletic players coming up, sparking the team. I'm not saying that, that the Blue Jays are going to win the division or make the playoffs. I'm just saying, Blue Jays fans, life's too short to be negative. That there's, <laughs> there's a lot to dream on here. The sky hasn't fallen.
1: You're not the there's Orioles. An... You're not the <laughs> Orioles. The other important rookie to watch this year is Charlie Montoyo yeah yeah uh, an right. exciting young
3: an exciting new manager with fresh ideas
1: exactly it's his him and the clubhouse especially with the youngsters coming up and To be given that major league very first managerial assignment. I know Charlie well because he uh, was managing my 2006 Montgomery Biscuits. And he was the smartest manager in the league and had stolen everybody's signs by the second game of each series. I love it. I'm going to be fascinated to watch Charlie at work managing, juggling the different personalities and keeping the energy and the looseness high throughout the season.
3: Yeah, these guys. If you put these guys in the right situation, we just can't assume that Morales, Smoke, Stroman, Sanchez, are are on this downward trajectory. Um, these are really good players, and even if Gibby is a good manager, sometimes you just both players and coaches uh, and front office they just need a fresh perspective on things. It's it's not out of the realm for a lot of shit to go right this year and surprise some of these Jays fans. And even if it doesn't, it's still going to be a fun season because of the tryouts and 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 basically that Buffalo roster that everybody wants to watch in April and May transitioning up to Toronto in July and August.
0: I haven't felt this euphoric about this team in years. This will be a form of therapy for some of my listeners because it's uh, it's refreshing to hear optimism generated from what i mentioned at the start of the show which is you know diligence in your analysis of the players and using your eyes and and mind to figure out whether they're trending in the right direction and there's no question the blue jays have an abundance of exciting young players who are trending in what we believe is the right direction and so i don't think it's unrealistic to think that they could overachieve whether it'll be being a 500 team or perhaps even giving us a reason to be excited in august one thing's for sure this is now officially mark shapiro's project and so let's finish off this round table and i'll start with you marshall how do we grade mark shapiro does he get a pass if this team finishes with uh, 110 losses or does he lap up all the credit and and fame that comes from maybe overachieving to the tune of 87 wins how do we how do we grade him moving forward
2: I don't think you'd rate them on wins and losses. I think it has to be how the uh, the, the prospect uh, capital uh, turns to, starts to turn into real capital and look like they're real ballplayers. And um, um, if the because the, the bear in mind that if this team performs better than expected, um, there's a good possibility that a lot more of the existing roster could be dealt by the uh, midseason deadline. That might include um, uh, Stroman and uh, Sanchez, one, one, possibly both. Uh, it will likely include uh, smoke. Um, it could well include uh, one of the other uh, out, outfielders. So, so I think you have to um, look at it solely in terms of um, how the uh, the players that they develop uh, that they've acquired uh, are developing. That's that would be my my major metric. I do not think that the
1: 2019 Blue Jays are expected to win the World Series. I think that the 2019 Blue Jays are expected to show the steps forward. And 2020, 2021 are going to be the seasons that they're really looking forward to because there are more prospects after Vladdy, after Bo, after Kevin Biggio and Sean Reed Foley and all these guys. Nate Pearson is around the corner and Kevin Smith is around the corner and you can go right on down. I think that this is a team, especially with the young nucleus, that is built to win in the coming years. And so I'm hesitant to say, based on that one lost record in 2019, draw any serious conclusion.
3: And I think you grade them based on, to echo Marshall's point, based on what they've done with the farm system. They've had a, a tenuous time because of the transition from AL East champions to uh, to a rebuild, but they've still put the organization in a position to to have an outside shot at at competing this year while injecting young talent into Toronto. Um, I think you grade them based on what they've done to set this franchise up for the future. And they still have a lot of assets that can be moved to further strengthen that point. So I think you got me. I'm giving them an A. Sorry. I love the blue Jays system that much.
1: So Ari, you contact me at the end of the season, and you say, "What do you think about Eric Pardino and Jordan Groshans and Griffin yes. Conan and those guys?" And I'll let you know about the next wave.
3: And Ari, uh, I'm more than happy to come and talk to you as soon as I get uh, Aurelvis Martinez in extended spring training oh, and live gosh. at bats. Like yeah. it just keeps coming. It's a reason the waves keep coming. Four different and I also can't wait to see Chavez Young, Jesse. Jesse.
1: Oh baby, Chavez tell me about Young.
3: Chavez Young. Chavez Young.
1: Okay, so nickname is Hollywood. He is the most charismatic person on and off the field. He does everything. He throws guys out on the bases. He makes diving catches in the outfield. He steals bases. He switch hits. He hits for a fine average and gap-to-gap power. So all I saw is a guy that helped his team win in multiple dimensions.
0: Marshall, I haven't seen two grown men gush over things like this since the last Star Wars movie. <laughs> well,
2: what do you and, think uh, of all this exciting game out, buddy. I, I, I actually uh, am very uh, sympathetic. I, I, but again, I tend to share the, the optimism that um, uh, Shapiro, Atkins, and uh, and let's not forget Ben Charrington. Uh, these guys know how to develop, uh, recognize and develop prospects and. Um, I'm also very uh, bullish on Charlie Montoyo. I think he's going to be um, a great manager, a perfect choice for the team. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. The only criticism I've ever leveled against uh, uh, Shapiro and Atkins is that they probably waited a bit too long uh, to start this process, uh, notably in regard to uh, someone like Donaldson and and, um, and, and also um, um, the. Well, Donaldson largely, but again, um, 2020 is a very exact, uh, hindsight. So I don't fault them too much for that. Um, when they actually, uh, what the, 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 fan base was crying for the team to become younger and more athletic. And lo and behold, by the end of last year, I thought, geez, they've already accomplished a lot of this already and filled up a lot of the, uh, uh the, the minor league system with, with excellent prospects. So, you know, they may have started a bit, uh, uh a year too late, but, um, when they did it, boy, did they uh, do it quickly. So they obviously had a plan in mind, and I think they're having the guts to stick with it. It was your
0: favorite term last year, don't forget, in an intellectual exercise that didn't work out. It's nice to know we don't have to listen to that gobbledygook this year. It's just a good old-fashioned, plain, total rebuild. Yeah. And and I think there's a lot to be said for the intrigue behind that because, let's face it, when you have zero expectations and your heart's been ripped out of your out of your chest from a baseball perspective for two years... You'll take anything, but it's nice to know that we're not going to be drinking sand. Like, we're describing a real oasis for fans of this team, aren't we?
2: I think so. It's not an illusion. I think that there, that there is a, an oasis there, and it's, um, it's a chock-a-block full of a lot of very interesting and attractive prospects.
3: And when Vladdy and Bo are on the left side of that infield mm. in
2: August, the
3: all-eyes on MLB will be on Toronto. So enjoy it, Blue Jays fans. It's baseball! It's back! <laughs>
1: I think it's just the idea of sitting down at the very start of a baseball game. You should not be saying to yourself, we've lost this game before it's even begun. You should enjoy the game in front of you, because who knows?
0: Truly three of my favorite soothsayers in the game of baseball. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this. You've been listening to Marshall Auerbach, Jason Waddell, and Jesse goldberg Strasler. Thanks for doing this, guys. Talk again soon.
2: Thanks, Ari. Thank you. Later, gents.